0: plus. 18 plus it's time to play like a jet with your host scott mason play like a jet what does that mean makai Beckton, ladies and gentlemen human beings that large should not run as fast as makai becton did and if you like people just abusing other humans the Makai tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder, trying to get him out of space. Slows oh, oh, a tackle, go. and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Donald! He'll hit immediately q- and he got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you.
1: From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at a jet one And today was the introductory press conference for Mr. Robert Sala as the brand-new head coach of the New York Jets. And so to talk about that, we've got our friend covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com, Mr. Andy Vasquez. Andy, a very eventful day, huh?
2: Yeah, it was busy. It's it's almost uh, so much that happened, so much that was said, and and so much news that was made. It's hard to... uh, kind of narrow it down and, and place it all. But yeah, a very busy day, a very eventful day. And I think overall an exciting day for Jets fans as as you got to see what this is going to look like under a new leader. And and while he didn't have this fiery, you know, seize the day kind of press conference, like the one we saw in Detroit earlier today or <laughs> or the one that Rex Ryan had 12 years ago, Uh, I think you've got to be pretty fired up if you're a Jets fan about uh, what Robert Sala brings to the table.
1: Nothing about kissing rings and certainly nothing about biting somebody's kneecaps, but this was definitely an eventful press conference, to say the least. We heard from Joe Douglas, we heard from Christopher Johnson, and we heard from Robert Sala. So we'll go one by one here. We also got some news in terms of who's going to be added to this coaching staff, and we'll talk about that. And then you wrote a great piece Over at NorthJersey.com About Mr. Deshaun Watson Who Joe Douglas was asked about And had no answer, understandably Because that would have been tampering And I'll let you get to that in a little bit But we'll start with Robert Sala The highlight here, the message The thing that he kept repeating In fact, if you were watching the press conference on SNY They put it in the lower third All guess, no break Yeah, and and, you know uh, When you first hear that
2: phrase it kind of makes you think about like, you know, football guy type phrase and, and it, but it really wasn't that. And, and that's what I like so much about the message is that he, and he clarified that right away. He said, it's not about just on the field. It's about the way we prepare, the way we rehab, the way that we like watch film, the way that we do everything, the way that we wake up in the morning and the way we're going to attack everything we do. And I think that, the whole process having that relentlessness and having that kind of attitude. Um, I think that is the right way to sell that kind of message. And I think, yeah, that, that was exciting. And, uh, and that is something that I think everybody can get behind because, you know, it's obviously a, an easy image and, and while maybe it's slightly corny, um, uh, it's a, it's an effective image and, and it's effective, you know, device for what he's trying to create here. and, and everything is going to be geared toward. And he said this multiple times. Everything is going to be geared toward winning a championship. And and I know we've heard things like that before. Uh, but he seems to have an idea of what it takes, not just from, you know, a, a game day perspective, but from an overall preparation perspective and an overall getting the entire locker room. Uh, to buy into what he's selling. And and I think that's what the jets have been missing in a big way. And, and the fact that he's kind of keyed in on that today in his opening press conference. I mean, you can see why the jets were impressed with him and you can see why he's been so successful in the past. So he's got stuff to overcome here, but I think the fact that he's keyed in on that issue is a good start.
1: Andy, take us through the rest of what he said. What were some of the highlights?
2: Well, he got into first of all um, what he liked about the Jets and and why he ended up taking this job. I mean, presumably, if he had waited, he would have gotten another offer because he talked to you know just about every team that had an opening. And as the Jets and him were finalizing this deal, you know, there were reports of other teams trying to reach out and set up second interviews with him. So. Um, and the Jets, obviously, in the eyes of many, were not viewed to be the best job out there. But other than Jacksonville, I mean, it, it was the the job that he took. So uh, he said that basically he built a connection during his visit with Christopher Johnson and Joe Douglas to the point where they felt like family. Uh, they felt they it felt like talking to to friends that he went to high school with, old friends from high school is kind of what he compared it to. and And he said that actually, when he left the building, you know, when, when all the Jets fans were anxious about him going to that interview with Philly, that when he left the building, he knew that this was the place he wanted to be and and that he wanted to be. It felt like home is what he said. So that, that has to be very exciting from a, a Jets standpoint. Um, Some other stuff that he got into Sam Darnold, he was asked about Sam Darnold and asked to give an evaluation of him. And he said that, you know, going back to game planning against him week two you know they were worried about him because he has arm talent um, and that's kind of what he keyed in on that he, that he has a tremendous arm a tremendous ability to throw the ball highlighted his talent did not really talk about the fact that he struggled obviously uh, there's no reason for him to get into that at this point um, and he talked about uh, the way he's valued in the locker room and, and gave a glowing perspective of, of what he's heard in terms of leadership and toughness. And uh, he said that, you know, it's easy to see why he was the number three overall pick. That was something he repeated a couple of times. He was asked directly, though, if Donald would be their starting quarterback next year. And, and this could have been a chance for him to, I mean, obviously we've talked about this before and we think that, you know, it's probably best for the Jets to move on from Darnold, but it could have put all this kind of rumors and all that to rest, but just showing you where the Jets are at, he he would not give an answer. He just said it would be unfair to answer that right now. There's we're so early in the process. There's so much we got to do this off season gave the answer that you would expect. And uh, I think we can kind of take all of this stuff with a, with a grain of salt. I mean, the Jets want to keep their options open. They should keep their options open and, and, they're going to keep their options open until the move that they're comfortable with uh, presents itself. So uh, that no, no surprise there. Um, and and then just overall, the way that he carried himself in this press conference, um, I just thought it wasn't the greatest press conference of all time, but you saw a guy, you saw some of his passion come out. You know, we talked about, you know, players and, and, how he views players—not as everybody says it's a business—is what he said. But um, but he views it as a personal investment in people, and that that's compelling. And he also said things that you wouldn't normally hear a coach say—some honest stuff. That like one of the ways that he can grow closer to the players is, is to explain to them that if if I can help you reach your potential, you're going to get paid more and and that is something that's important nowadays to players and and it's i mean it's a smart strategy for developing talent because i mean you he's trying to you know obviously it helps his team to do that and and it helps these guys make the most out of their lives so i I just thought there was a lot of stuff here and it wasn't this hit you over the head intensity or anything like that, which you see from him on the sidelines, but there there were little flashes of that, but the stuff that he said was insightful. You can see he has a plan. You can see he's already working to develop that plan. He said he's already talked to every player on the roster or or reached out to every player on the roster and seen a few at the facility already. So um, that is definitely a change in tone, pace, everything about what we saw from the last uh, regime and that's encouraging. And I would be, you know, excited about the vision that he laid out today while also keeping in mind that um, it really doesn't mean anything until they start getting on the field and, and, and doing stuff and, and, and playing games and we see what it means. But um, as far as an opening press conference goes, I thought he did a good job.
3: at luckylandslots.com available to players in the US excluding Washington and Michigan no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus Turns and conditions Supply.
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
3: lucky in line at the deli i guess ahh in my dentist's office
1: Opening presser for Robert Sala, but not the opening presser for Joe Douglas. However, this was the first time that Douglas was at a presser with Robert Sala. Had to answer questions about Sala and a couple of other subjects, including a few weird questions. Recap that for us, Andy. What went on with Joe Douglas in this press conference?
2: Yeah, so he was asked about when they kind of, you know, fell for for Sala as it was, and he said that basically it wasn't until he got to the building it's kind of the same thing that that sala said and and then they just built such a good rapport and it felt so natural that um it made sense and and obviously they like like the vision that he has his his community i mean it's basically the exact kind of um player i'm sorry the exact kind of coach that they were said that they were looking for when the process began and that was uh, you know, another thing that was really encouraging about this whole process for the Jets is that, you know, they laid out what they wanted to do. And and then instead of the way it usually goes, is the search looks totally different than their strategy, uh, the search followed what they publicly stated that they were going to do. And 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 then they ended up with the kind of coach that they said they wanted to end up with, which is a guy who could you know, communicate his vision and and. Uh, coach the whole team and that's one other thing that I left out that Salah said I asked him about uh, you know coaching the whole team and and if he was going to be calling plays for the defense and he said that no he, he wasn't going to be calling plays just because he thought that it wouldn't allow him the chance it just basically went against his philosophy as a head coach for him to be calling plays for the defense he wants to be able to oversee everything he thinks that that would take too much effort for him to do that. and He'd miss out on other stuff around the team. So uh, he's he's not going to be calling the plays. Um, And we'll get more into kind of like his defensive coordinator and the staff later. But, um, yeah, he's not going to be calling the plays. And that was something, going back to Joe Douglas, that Joe Douglas said was, you know, he asked, during the interview process, he asked Sala about that. And and that was the answer that he wanted to hear because he wanted a guy who had, was mindful of the entire team and and the way that he could best serve the entire team. um, And Sala fit that profile, but, but going back to Douglas, uh, some of the other stuff, he was asked about the Deshaun Watson rumors and um, uh, he can't say anything about that because, you know, it would be tampering to, Mentioned that. So he gave basically a complete non-answer and just said, I'm not allowed to talk about that. And that was what you'd expect because, um, you know, he can't say anything about it. So, and also, even if he could say anything about it, he wouldn't want to tip his hand. So um, anything regarding the future of the quarterback, the Jets were, you know, I don't think today was a hint of anything. I, I think, you know, every possibility is still there. And uh, we shouldn't read too much into that. Um, and that, that was really, I mean, I would, to be honest with you, uh, Douglas really wasn't you know, the star of the show today just because uh, there was so much news with, with Salah and, and with Christopher Johnson, which I'm sure we'll get into.
1: Let's get into it right now, Andy. Christopher Johnson making news, talking about the reporting structure, talking about Woody Johnson coming back. Plenty to recap. From Christopher Johnson's comments at this press conference. Lay it out for us.
2: Yeah. So first of all, let's just start with the biggest news. It's it's about Woody Johnson. So I asked Christopher Johnson about that today and what the deal was now that a new administration is in the White House. That obviously affects Woody Johnson, who was the ambassador to the United Kingdom. Um and and Christopher Johnson said that uh You know, at that moment, I think it was probably like 2.15, 2.20 p.m. that Woody was on an airplane back to the U.S. and would be landing at some point in the next few hours. So presumably he touched down Thursday afternoon or or Thursday early evening at some point. And and then Christopher said that basically um, he wasn't sure when it would happen, but sometime in in the very near future, they'll go through the process that they need to go through in order for Woody to take over as principal owner again. And, and he'll be in that role again, where he's the final decision maker. Um, The way he described, he, he described what his role would be more than he described what Woody's role would be. Basically Christopher said that he'd still maintain a very heavy influence on the organization that his day-to-day duties would not change that much. Now, instead of being chairman, Christopher will be, I mean, Woody will be chairman. Christopher will be the vice chairman. um, And it seems like he'll still have a say in the building, but it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, it's hard to know. Like my, my initial takeaway from it is that like Christopher is still going to be the guy dealing with the football people, but I, I don't know. It's hard to know like exactly what, how Woody sees it, but it was, it was interesting. Uh, You know, Joe Douglas was asked about Woody as well. And then the idea of him coming back and and he said that he was excited for the chance to to work with Woody, although he really hasn't talked to him much just because Woody has obviously been uh, not involved with the team on a day-to-day basis at all since, Heading over to London And then Sala said he hadn't met Woody But that the uh, Uncertainty about what would happen When he came back was not a concern at all uh, So obviously Whatever the arrangement is Is something that Douglas is comfortable with And Salah is comfortable with And that they were comfortable with when they took this job Knowing that this was a possibility So um, That you know Whatever the Jets are doing there they obviously have a clear plan and they've made it known to their most important people. So I, I, I don't see it as a major concern. I don't think things will change much, um, but we'll have to see kind of how it goes. So another thing that will be changing that Christopher Johnson revealed is the ownership structure. I'm sorry, not the ownership structure, but the power structure within the organization. So the Jets, previously had it set up where the GM and the coach were on equal footing, um, which I, I didn't like. I just, I just think there's too much you know, potential for conflict there when you have two guys in the same position reporting to the, to the owner. At some point, like if they're not tied to each other, if their futures aren't tied to each other, they might start pursuing their own interests over the teams and and it can lead to finger pointing the blame game whatever whatever i mean we saw it obviously things got a little ugly at the end of the todd bowles and and mike mccagnon relationship and then things got very ugly very quickly with adam gase and and mike mccagnon so i think uh the way they're going to do it now is that uh, robert sallow will report to joe douglas who will report to. As a, as I understand it, Christopher and Woody, whatever that means. So I don't I don't know. I, I I mean, I don't know exactly how that part of it will work. But basically, um, it's it what that does is it ties Joe Douglas to Robert Sala, and, and they basically are tied that together anyway with with Sala on a six-year contract and Douglas with five years left on his contract, um, or whatever it is. I, I may have gotten that wrong. and maybe five for Salah and four for Douglas remaining, but either way they are going to be tied to each other. Now um, they have every incentive to, you know, work together. And I don't think that was going to be a problem anyway, but it just makes more sense. It's a simpler way. And, and everybody said that they didn't think it would change much, but I do think it's another sign that the jets are, are getting close, closer to being more functional. Um, and then, yeah, it was, that was, really the highlights from what Christopher had to say. I mean, he was impressed with, with, um, with, uh, Salah, obviously from the interview process, like the way that things went and and he's confident that they got the right kind of coach in here and uh, we'll see. Uh, but I think you have to give him credit for, obviously he's had some tough times in his four years running the team, but, uh, Right now is the first time in a long time it seems like things are headed in the right direction. So give him credit for, uh, for getting the team to this point, and, and we'll see what comes of it.
1: We'll also see what comes of the rest of the coaching staff. Assistants have been added by the day, and today Robert Sala at the press conference announced a few new ones, including... One big addition, Jeff Ulbrich will be the defensive coordinator. Salah and Ulbrich worked together when they were in Seattle. He was defensive coordinator of the Falcons last year. He took over after Raheem Morris was promoted following the termination of Dan Quinn. And at that point, Ulbrich became the defensive coordinator while Raheem Morris took over as head coach. And they split the play-calling duties but we found out today, Andy, that he is going to have the play calling duties here with the Jets. Robert Sala will not. I want you to talk about that. And then also a couple of other names. Nate Olley is going to be the assistant defensive line coach. Ricky Manning Jr., who played in the Super Bowl with both the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears, have been out of coaching for a couple of years, but he's back as a defensive assistant. Aaron Whitecotton is the defensive line coach. What a name, by the way. Chip Vaughn, defensive assistant, and Hayes Pullard comes in as a defensive assistant. So obviously the big one here is Ulbrich, but a couple more names as the coaching staff continues to take shape.
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll just go through. Uh, he he officially named, like you said, I, I'm not sure if you said it, but Mike LaFleur is also officially now the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and he named his entire offensive staff. I'll just run through it real quick. Uh, Rob Calabrese. Uh, Long Island guy, former UCF player, is, is going to be the quarterbacks coach. Uh, John Benton is going to be the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator. He was with Sala as the offensive line coach at, in the exact in the exact same role in San Francisco. Uh, Taylor Embry is going to be the running backs coach. He was at Colorado last year, I believe, and and also worked with Sala at uh, San Francisco. Ron Middleton. Uh, I'm not totally familiar with his background. I think he was a player at one point. He's going to be the tight ends coach. Uh, Todd Washington is going to be an offensive assistant along with uh, Billy Billy Vandermerk. Uh, I believe he was on the staff last year. Mac Brown is coming back as an offensive assistant. He was definitely on the staff last year. And then Miles Austin, the Garfield native and former. Cowboys wide receiver is officially now the wide receivers coach. So those are all the offensive line or I'm sorry, offensive uh, coaching hires. And then a couple other nuggets. And I'm going to circle back to the defense here in a minute and, uh, and Obrick, but Salas said that he has not decided yet on what he's going to do with a special teams coordinator he did say that Frant Boyer is under consideration and that he's gotten a lot of calls from people complimenting Boyer and and he he complimented Boyer himself for his stellar record as the special teams coach with the Jets in the past. So that's interesting. He just said, basically, you know, the priority was taking care of offense and defense first, and he's going to get to special teams. So that's why he hasn't made a decision yet. And he also hinted, that denard wilson who was the secondary coach for the jets last year uh that is another guy that he's he's considering bringing back so going back to the defense and and what salah had to say about ulbrick uh the, yeah he's, he's gonna trust him to run the defense and it's going to be similar to the style of defense that they ran in san francisco uh you know four three and that uh He's going to. There's going to be times when when Salah wants to and will uh, contribute to the play calling and, and suggest things. But overall, you know, he does everything that goes into that. He doesn't want to be focused on that. He wants to be focused on the team and, and what the team is doing as a whole. So um, he's going to put his trust in Ulbrich and 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 see what they can do. And you know, I think that's that's the right move. And it's going to be interesting to watch
1: Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com as always really appreciate you coming on and recapping this introductory press conference with me before you go I'd like you to tell everybody what you're working on and what you've got planned for the next couple of days over at NorthJersey.com but also take us through the great piece that you just wrote About Deshaun Watson, you basically outline why If Watson were to become available And I'm still skeptical that that actually happens But if he does become made available via trade The Jets should do everything they can Within reason to get him You made a really persuasive case For why there's no excuse not to go all out To get Deshaun Watson if he becomes available Go ahead and tell us what it is
2: Well yeah, I mean, basically if you look at the Jets history, they've had one quarterback ever who's thrown for 4,000 yards. And it was Joe Namath in a 14 game season. And, you know, Watson has thrown for you know 4,000 yards. I think the last two seasons or two out of the last three, I think it's two out of the last three. I can't remember if it's the last two, but, and something like at least 29 touchdowns in each of those years. I mean, that's something that only two Jets quarterbacks have ever done ever. Um, uh, Nameth and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015, and, and I just remember the stat. It was 38, 38.50, I think, and and 29 touchdowns. That's been the, the floor for Watson the last three years. So he'd immediately become the best, the best quarterback in franchise history. Oh, and he's 25 years old. So if you are just start the argument there, you have the chance to bring the best quarterback in history of this franchise before he even gets to his prime. So, um, like, what what is overpaying for that? Like, it's kind of hard to overpay for that because the value that that can have to your, for your franchise for the next decade, potentially. So, if you start from that point and then you look at where the Jets are in terms of the amount of draft assets they have with, you know, two first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year, they can give up three first-round picks Start at the starting point and still have a first round pick each of the next two years. And, and obviously in 2023, they wouldn't have a first round pick, but you would have to think that's okay. If, Cause you're getting one of the best quarterbacks in the history of your franchise and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So even if you have to give up more than that, I mean, obviously you wouldn't like to, but like, if you don't have a first round pick this year, because you give up two and 23, still worth it to get Watson in my estimation. And, and for this argument that like the jets are, are not, you know, a quarterback away from contending, like, I guess that's true, but they're a quarterback away from having a franchise quarterback. So uh, how do you win in this league? We all know, like the the best way to win consistently is to have a good quarterback and a, and a good coach or an elite quarterback and an elite coach. So, if you can knock out one side of that equation for sure, and you're talking about a guy who could handle New York city, you know, we can handle New York city because he's already under one of the harshest spotlights in professional sports. Uh, there's not a lot of questions here. So yeah, I mean the bigger issue is does Watson want to come here and and no one really knows that yet. I mean, I think there's some signs that he'd be open to it because he doesn't want to be in Houston and some of his social media activity in recent days seems to hint that he'd be open to it. Although that is, that is a reach, but I think, you know, if he wasn't open to it, you, you would have heard maybe some rumblings of that, but there would be some sacrifices for him to come here uh, in terms of there's no state income tax in Texas or, or Florida where another team, the other team that's set up best to pursue him is the dolphins. So he would make more money in Miami and and that could be, you know, an incentive for him. But uh, the biggest obstacle is obviously the fact that why the Texans should not trade him. Like they should do everything they can to keep him. And, uh, I tend to agree with you. I don't see them trading him because that just isn't the right kind of move. Like you do whatever you can to keep him. But, but the way in which he's angry with that team and it seems to be with one of the owners, um, you know, that may not be salvageable and, and it's a possibility. So as long as that's a possibility, it is, this is not a tough decision. This should not be a tough decision for the Jets. Like you go get him and you still, and they're in a position where like, they don't have to give up everything that, that could help them rebuild. So they could still rebuild. They have the cap space, $70 million of cap space. They're, most likely, if they do make a trade, they're still they're still going to have a draft picks. I mean, maybe it starts in the second round instead of the first round, but you still are going to have the chance to build your team, and you're going to have the biggest issue that's plagued your franchise for decades finally solved and and know you have it solved. So yeah, I mean, it's not a tough choice, but in my eyes, but and that's why I wrote that story. So yeah, check it out. It's still up on the website at northjersey.com and. And then other stuff I've got coming, I'm going to delve deeper into Robert Sala's leadership and and kind of his plan to, to build this team going forward and, um, that, and that kind of stuff. And we're obviously going to start pivoting toward the draft now and, and, you know, what the Jets options are. And and we're going to keep monitoring the Deshaun Watson situation and, and we're going to keep monitoring, you know, free agents, uh, I wrote something about this last week and I'm going to get into it more going forward, but Alan Robinson obviously is is a guy who could help the Jets out a lot and he's got some connections to Robert Sala and he's got, uh, you know, some connections that to the Jets that could help him end up here at some point. So, so that's something we'll delve more into, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting time for the Jets and they've got everything in place now and it's, going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. So yeah, check it out at NorthJersey.com or follow me on Twitter at Andy Vasquez.
1: Make sure you follow Andy on Twitter and read his work over at NorthJersey.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.